morning scripture for today. We read already the third chapter of the book of Acts verses 1 through 10. And so let's just quickly look at verse number 8. You will find these words. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I want to talk to you all just for a few moments from the subject matter. There's a testimony in your house. Now, of course, uh, we understand that uh, there there was a testimony in the temple on that day, but I wanted to make it more personal. Amen and say there's a testimony in your house. And this message is today is to encourage you uh, not to be ashamed or discouraged uh, in regards to your testimony, amen, and how the power of God have moved and delivered and have set free. And so as we look at this third chapter of the book of Acts, we find the church's first recorded Miracle. This is the church's first recorded miracle. God was now, uh, now ready to reach another great harvest of souls. And it was now time to attract the attention of the people. So he reached down and healed a single man, a man whom everyone knew. And he filled the man with so much joy and excitement that we see that he got up and he went walking and leaping and praising God in the temple. And so such a miracle and behavior naturally attracted the attention of the public. You have to note that the miracle was more than just a miracle. The fact of the matter is it was a sign. It was a demonstration of at least two things. Uh, number one, the fact that Jesus is alive. His power is just as active upon earth today as it was when he walked upon earth. And then secondly, that Jesus is now working through his followers, uh, through them, through us. He is reaching out to save and heal the world. Uh, his followers are now his instruments. We are his ambassadors, his representatives. We're his messengers. We are his witnesses to a world lost in suffering and death, sin and shame. And so in this first uh, recorded miracle of the church, uh, God is actually demonstrating his power and bearing witness through his followers. And uh, in doing so, he has given us some of the greatest lessons on witnesses to be found uh, anywhere. You know, we are called to be witnesses. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost have come upon you. And what is the purpose of this power? So that you would become witnesses witnesses of the saving power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this text, I told you to keep your Bibles open. I'm just going to preach right through the text. When we look at this text, the first thing that we will take note is that Peter and John, they went up 
together. The text just simply say in verse number one that they went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Now, you have to understand that these two disciples who were great spiritual leaders of the early church, uh, they were very close companions, uh, those that were in Bible Discovery Hour this morning. The, the facilitator talked about Paul and uh, Priscilla and uh, Aquila, how, how they were great spiritual partners. They were great spiritual uh, leaders. <clears throat> Fact of the matter is, when you look at the 13th chapter of the book of St. John, it was, it was, it was uh, Peter sent a hand signal to John to uh, ask Jesus who the betrayer was. And then you'll find in the 18th chapter of John how John and Peter together, they followed the Lord uh, the night of his arrest and, and how John obtained permission for Peter uh, to enter the courtyard of uh, the high priest. Then in the 20th chapter of the book of St. John, you'll see how they both ran together to the grave uh, that resurrection uh, morning. And so Peter and John, they were they were close companions. And so, therefore, it's not surprising that both of them would be together uh, uh, to go together to the temple to pray. And so it says in Peter and John, they went up uh, together. And notice, notice where they went. They went to the temple. They didn't get together and go to uh, Jerusalem's garment district. They didn't go to uh, the, the the swap meet. Uh, Peter and John. They didn't go golfing on that particular day. The text says that Peter and John they they went up to the temple. Amen. Some of the Old Testament uh, devotional habits were still practiced by believers. They believe that you. Uh, uh, in going to the temple to pray. Notice, notice, notice is right there. It's right there in verse number one that they're going to the temple and they're going at the hour of uh, prayer. So in other words, their purpose, their uh, goal was to go to the temple to pray. And I think you all would agree with me that the praying crowd is a small crowd in our day. You know, we've said that we were going to meet for prayer. Uh, it'd just be just a, a handful of people. The fact of the matter is the first lady had first Saturday prayer when the church was open and it would just be a few people that would uh, gather for prayer. But then I also took note that when she said that she was going to have a prayer breakfast. In other words, there was going to be some food included. You sisters would pack the fellowship hall to its capacity. And so, you know, people don't just like to go to the temple. They don't like to just go for prayer. Uh, you can pack a church out if we were going to uh, have a concert. But notice where Peter and John were going. They were going to the temple uh, at the hour of prayer. 
And you have to notice the period that they went. It was, it was according to verse one, it says being the ninth hour. You have to understand that the ninth hour, that was three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, come on here, son. Let me talk to y'all for a minute. Uh, I like to see us try to call a prayer three o'clock. Pastor, what you talking about? In the middle of the day, three o'clock. Can't you call it early in the morning so I can come to prayer and then be about uh, the rest of my day? They had prayer times back then. And so Peter and John, they're going up to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. How many of y'all know prayer is always in order? It don't matter what time, whether it's early in the morning or if it's at noonday, or whether it's in the midnight hour, men ought to always what? Pray and never faint. And so they go up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And guess what? God moves in mysterious ways because when Peter and John, when they get to the temple, uh, they find a man there that's in need of a miracle. Somebody, you listening to me here today, you in need of a miracle. I'm talking, I'm not talking about just something out of the ordinary. Somebody, you listening and you just said not too long ago, it might have even been this morning. God, if you don't do something, God, if you don't move, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I've come here today to bring you a word that there's a testimony in your house today. Notice the condition needing the miracle, uh, the condition of the man that Peter and John met up with at the temple. Obviously, he needed a miracle of healing. Because when you look at verse number two, it says that a certain man laying from his uh, mother's uh, womb. So this man, in fact, he was, he was lame. He could not walk and, and he had to be carried everywhere he went. You know, birth defects in those days were sudden uh, corrected because they did not have the medical help. Uh, which we thankfully possess today. And so this man is lame. He cannot walk. He has to be carried everywhere that he went. And then you have to look at the length of his condition. That's very important because verse two gives us the answer by simply saying from his mother's womb. That just simply means the man never known a day in his life in which he could walk. This man was plagued by this condition from the day of his birth. How many years had this man been sitting there begging? We don't know how many years he was there begging or how many years they had to carry him to the temple. But we do know that he had been crippled for over 40 years. I want y'all to just imagine, just imagine, 40 years or more, a cripple from birth, never having walked a single step. 
He had to be carried and placed at the temple's entrance, entrance to beg. Everybody knew him. <clears throat> My God, everybody knew him. The Bible says in verse two, they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. And notice what he had to do to ask alms in order to ask for a handout of them that entered into the temple. And so because of his problem, all the lame man could possibly do was to beg for handouts. And he did it at the temple. I don't want y'all to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to get a picture in your head of this man. Look at him. He's a helpless cripple, unable to work, constantly being ignored. He no one to take him in and to help him. He was poor because of his condition, having to fend for himself, never fitting in, never being accepted. He was without family. Oh, this man was in a sad condition. You know, many people, many people like this lame man still, they view the place of worship primarily as a place of material handout. I'm going to say it again. You have many people. Oh my God, you all be surprised at how many people would just come by the church that was in need. A lot of them were seldom interested in spiritual help from the church. Ah, they only was interested in what they could get materially. Oh, but thanks be to God. Anytime you have two individuals that are filled with the power of God and know what God has called them to do. Uh, when you look at verses three through five, there was a, there was a confrontation that took place. Yeah, there was a miracle, but there was a confrontation before the miracle because by the gate beautiful, which was on the east side of the temple complex, Peter and John had a confrontation with this lame man, which proved for the lame man to be a tremendous blessing. You know what I, what that mean? All confrontations don't have to be bad confrontation. This man experienced a brief confrontation, but it turned out to be a tremendous uh, blessing. Because when you look at the third verse, y'all don't mind if I preach the Bible, it says, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? It says, asked and on. In other words, he asked for a hand out, like the Salvation Army worker who rings their bell in front of a store where you enter. The lame man was at one of the entrances of the temple and he asked Peter and John for a handout. He was not even looking up at Peter and John when he asked for help. Years of having uh, people look the other way had taught him he was different and that 
he did not fit in. And from the first, even as a small child, he had probably grown into a shy, withdrawn, embarrassed person, a person unable to look people in the eye. Can I tell y'all something? Because there's a point that I need to make. And the point is simply this. The man was hurting within as well as without. Let me say we have a way of dressing up the outward appearance. But how many of you all know man looks at the outward appearance? But somebody ought to say, thank God he looks at the heart. Man looks at you clapping while while they're singing, I've got a testimony. But a lot of time we don't know what a person has actually gone through. You got a smile on your face on the outside, but we never really know what people are feeling on the inside. We're saying hallelujah anyhow right now, but somebody might sign off of this service and have to get a box of Kleenex to dry their tears. Man looks at the outward appearance. And how many of y'all know looks can be deceiving? I'm going to say it again. Looks can be deceiving. This man was hurting on the inside as well as on the outside. He, he, he was a living picture of so many in our world today. They've taught us to keep a smile on our face. They taught us to keep being encouraged. They taught us to say hallelujah anyhow. That don't mean that people are not hurting on the inside. Somebody is sitting in your house right now. Yeah, but I got a word for you. Ah, you got a testimony right there in your house. If you're sitting next to somebody, tell them, I've got a testimony. Tell them I can't share it while the pastor's preaching, but I've got a testimony right here, right now, in this house. And so notice something, unless I preach too long here today, when you glance at verse number four, hallelujah, I see the exhorting in the confrontation. Because it says, Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said to this man, he said, look on us. You see, Peter and John gave unusual attention to the lame man. And they asked him to look. They said, look on us. Peter and John wanted to get the man's undivided attention. For they had a message and a miracle for him. I'm going to say it again. They had a message and a miracle. And I'm telling everybody, look at me right now because I got a message for you. Hey, and God has a, a miracle for you. But notice something else in verse five. Look at this man and what he was expecting. Because the Bible said he gave heed. In other words, he paid attention. He noticed them. Come on here, somebody. And the Bible said he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive 
something of them. So now the man, he did have the expectation. How many of y'all know if you expect a blessing, you have to have the expectation. Come on, you have to release your faith. You have to believe that God can and that God will. And you have to expect God to do something. But the man he had in mind, his mind was on money. <laughs> and that was really all he, you know, that was really all he expected. And you know, that's the world's view of helping people. You know, as long as we give them money, I'm talking about the world's view now, as long as we give them clothes, then we're helping them. But when you look at verses six through eight, hey, you're going to see something there. Nah, because instead of money, this man got something much better. He got a cure for his condition, a cure he would not trade anything for. My God, a handout wasn't worth what Peter and John was offering this man. And notice he's looking for a handout. But Peter, my God, they had to tell him, silver and gold, have I none? In other words, Peter and John, they had no money for handouts. This would be very disappointing to the man. But that man didn't know he was being set up for his greatest miracle. How many of y'all know sometimes God has set you up in order, my God, to prepare you for your greatest miracle? Somebody ought to put in the chat, it's been a setup. You ain't been going through what you've been going through for as long as you've been going through it. And God is not going to move in your behalf. I come here to share a word with you that is nothing but a setup. You've been set up for God's glory. And who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I dare you to lift your head up, all ye gates, even lift him up the everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And how many of you all know when glory come, sick bodies are healed. When glory come, God makes ways out of no ways. When glory comes, uh, it's an experience that's out of uh, this world. Let me calm down here. They didn't have no money. I said they didn't have no money. They said silver and gold have I none. Oh, my God. But such as we have, we're going to give you what we do have. And how many of you all know that Jesus' presence and power are not found in silver and gold? You can buy a bed. But it won't buy you no sleep. You can buy medicine, but it won't buy you healing. If money don't give you a true peace of mind. Hey, but how many of y'all know that as long as I've got Jesus? Hey, I hear that song ringing up in me. As long as I have Jesus, I have enough. Jesus' presence and power, they're not found in silver and gold. Peter didn't have no silver. He didn't have no gold. He didn't have no money, nor any other material good. He had no clothes. 
He had no shelter to give him. He didn't even have no food to give him. He didn't have no social or community services that he could recommend to this man. Oh, but he had something better. And I'm just wondering here, Lord, I'm trying to keep my food. I'm just wondering here, is there anybody under the sound of my voice that can declare I have something better? I may not have a lot of money in the bank, but I have something better. I don't have nothing in my freezer that I can pack up and drop off to you, but I do have something much better. Well, look what they did. They didn't only tell the man that they had something better, but they proved to the man that they had something better. Notice the command in verse number six. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Y'all notice something? They first went up. Hey, now they're telling this man because they went up to the hour of prayer. They're now telling this man after they told him to look up when they said, look on us. Now they're telling him to rise up. Hey, thank you, Jesus. I got a word for somebody. The Holy Ghost is saying it's time now. Hey, that you rise up. Let God arise in you. Because when God arises in you, it'll cause you to rise up. Rise up above your situation. Rise up above your circumstances. Rise up above whatever's trying to keep you down. In the name, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth. Rise on up now whoo, and walk. Can I tell y'all something? Oftentimes, God gives us a command for our blessing. I'm going to say it again. God gives a command for our blessing. The idea that commands are a burden or uh, 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 some kind of load that's placed on us. Uh-uh. It's refuted in scripture again and again because commands often precedes blessings as they did here in our text. All the man had to do once he was commanded, it was a simple command. Get up. Rise up. Yeah. I'm giving y'all a simple command here today. The command before your blessing, get up, hallelujah, rise up, brush your teeth, my God, comb your hair, y'all ain't gonna help me here, put some clothes on, stop talking about I'm in the pandemic and I can't go nowhere, sit on your front porch, go in your backyard and sing praises under God. Get up out of that bed. Get up out of that chair looking out the window all day long. Somebody ought to shout, rise up. My God, rise up. Because God has a miracle waiting on you. Stop twiddling your fingers, mumbling and complaining. In the name 
of Jesus Christ. You know what? The name of Jesus. That was the cause of this man healing. It wasn't Peter and John. Hey, it wasn't even the lame man, but it was Christ who caused the cure. Leave out Christ and you won't have no miracle. Leave him out. You won't have no healing. Leave him out and your life will be hopeless. This is the problem of our world today. They don't want Christ. Yeah, but just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. He's all that I need. Can I help y'all? Jesus' presence and his power, they still at work today. Oh yeah, they still at work today. Hey, he's still working miracles. He's still meeting the needs of people. Notice the text, notice the text. Peter reached down to take the man by the right hand. He lifts him up. Oh, what faith, what faith. But then watch this. The man let him lift him up. What trust. And then Jesus heals him. What power. Hey, symbolically here today. Take my hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know they say stay six feet, but in the spirit realm, in the take my hand today, let me lift you up. Hallelujah. By the power of God. Trust the man of God to get up, hallelujah, and watch God work a miracle. Watch God heal you. Watch God deliver you. Watch God set every captive free. The Bible said they lifted him up. He could have sat there and said, no, y'all leave me alone. You know, I ain't walked in a long time. In other words, he could have made excuses. And I stopped back here to tell somebody, you better catch this word today. Excuse making days are over. God ain't going to tolerate no more excuses. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what you've been through. I stopped back here to tell you the days of excuses are now over. Had that man made an excuse. And if he was still alive today, he would still be at the temple begging. When are you going to get tired? When are you going to trust God? When are you going to believe God? When are you going to release your faith and stop making excuses? The Bible says, I'm almost finished. They, hallelujah, lifted him. And then when you look at verse number seven, as they were lifting him, uh, as he trusted them, notice what the text says. It says immediately, I got to stop. God help me. Immediately. How many of y'all know it don't take God long? God can do it before you get out of this service. Hey, immediately, the text says, his feet, hey, and ankle bones receive strength. Glory. This miracle is like salvation. Salvation is instantaneous. It don't take God long to wash you, to cleanse you, to purge you. 
to give you a new life, to give you a new beginning immediately. Somebody, you stand in need of an immediate miracle. Hallelujah. Well, God said, rise up and walk. Get up. God said, I'll strengthen your ankles. I'll strengthen your legs. <laughs> I'll strengthen your hurt back. I'll strengthen your headache. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. I just not feel like preaching, but it's time for me to close. God said, I will strengthen you. I I'll do it. It ain't going to take me days to do it. It ain't going to take me months to do it. It's not going to take uh, me years to do it. God says, I'll do it immediately if you just obey my command, his feet, his ankle bones receive strength. And then notice something. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, when he got up, when he received his strength, he didn't head to Plaza Bonita. Hallelujah. He didn't go shopping. He didn't, he didn't go visit his relatives. But notice what the text says. Leaping. And, and walking, hallelujah. He was strong. He, he had the perfect soundness. This healing, it was complete. Can I tell y'all something? When God heals you, God does a complete work. I'm over here, somebody. Uh, God don't have to do anything. God does, uh, God does a complete work. God don't have to do anything. God, he wanted to do a complete work in somebody's life here today. God said, I want to work a miracle. Not only do I want to, my God, heal you physically, I, I want to mature you spiritually. I want to not only work on you, but those that are around you. God said, I want my blessings to overshadow you to the point where there's an overflow. Somebody ought to shout overflow. Hey, how many of y'all know God can give you an overflow? That way, everybody that's connected to you, that's around you, my God, will be blessed because of your overflow. This healing was complete. It was not partial. It was, it was complete. This man couldn't contain himself. Jumped up, start leaping. My God, walked for a little while, leaped for a few minutes. That guy didn't know what to do. Hallelujah. Sometimes I tell folks, I get so happy, I don't know when I have to run, do a cartwheel, jump, back, flip. Come on here, somebody. Because that's what the Holy Ghost will do to you. You, you just almost don't know. You, you almost don't know what to do. Hallelujah. But you're able to say now unto him, who's able? My God. To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or even think to ask God to do according to the power that worketh inside of me. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, let me shut it down. But, but guess what? This man, this man, when he got healed, guess what? He started leaping. Did y'all see that in the text? Hallelujah. He leaps his way. Guess where he goes? Uh, the Bible said he's leaping and praising God in the temple. Praising God where he got healed. Praising God. 
right there in the temple. Well, we can't go in the temple right now. But how many of y'all know right where you sitting is your sanctuary? Right where you sitting is your temple. My God. And when you think about how good God has been to you and where God has brought you from and what God has brought you through, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I'm already come. Grace has brought me safe this far. And guess what? Grace is going to lead me on. When you think about the fact that I almost let go, but what? God held me close. When you think of the fact when the doctor told you you couldn't have no children, now you got 19 children. Come on, you got something to thank God for. You, you still on your job and they cut everybody else out. Guess what? There's a testimony right there in your house. Come on here. When you look at what's going on down all throughout Texas, my God, we take the simple things for granted. But God, I thank you. I got a testimony. My lights are on. I got a testimony. My water's running. I have a testimony. My God, I got heat if I need it. But greater than all of that, I once was an outcast without hope on this earth. I was born of the covenant. I was an alien by birth. But guess what? I've been adopted into the royal family. I've been sealed by the power of God. I've got a testimony. I'm a child of the most high God. I have a testimony. I'm from a royal priesthood. I've been called out of darkness place into this marvelous light. I've got a testimony. Somebody type in the chat, I've got a testimony right here in my house. You got it right in your house, right in your house. Stop complaining. You got a testimony right in your house. Stop mumbling. Stop grumbling. You've got a testimony in your house. Well, well, not only did the people in the temple know, but I told you everybody knew him. Everybody knew <laughs> about this man's testimony. When they saw him leaping, walking, and the ninth verse says, and praising God. Saints, whatever you do, wherever you go, don't ever stop praising God. God's been too good to us. I said, God's been too good to us. And you know what? I've come to the conclusion, 2021, Pastor ain't going to beg nobody to praise God. Because watch this. When praises go up, blessings come down. Y'all believe that, don't you? And if God is in the business of sending down his blessings, and if you don't want to praise him, I'm going to praise him enough for me and you. 
Because then that just simply means he's going to keep on <laughs> showering his blessings. And if you don't want to praise him, Sister Marguerite, I'll take some of your blessings. It don't matter to me. I'm sorry. I love you. But I'll take some. She's looking like, no, no, you ain't getting none of mine. You ain't getting none of mine. I like that attitude. Because when we God inhabits, he dwells in our praise. And the people, watch this, and the people saw this man praising God. The first thing they had to ask, ain't that the same fella that kept getting on our nerve? Couldn't even walk down the street. He always begging. Ain't that the same fella? Now he's praising God. And the text says that they were amazed. They were filled Verse 10, with wonder. Let me close by saying this. When was the last time someone was amazed and filled with wonder because of your praise? (laughs) Think about it. When was the last time somebody else was filled with wonder and amazement because of what has happened unto you. If the Lord's been good to you, you ought to tell somebody. Share your testimony because there is a testimony in your house. Verse four, they, verse one, they went up. Verse four, he looked up. Verse six, he was told to rise up. And in verse seven, they lifted him up. And then when you get all the way down to verse eight, he was leaping up and he stood and began to praise God. There's a miracle in your house. Mm. There's a miracle in your house today. There's a testimony in your house. I dare you to just take a moment to reflect. Take a moment just to reflect. And you won't be able to do nothing but agree with me that there is a testimony. <laughs> 